were all there and there was a whole bunch of us. And I looked down the driveway and I go, oh, there's my friend Wes. He's coming down the driveway. And then there were, he had a girl with him. And then to the right of her, there was this guy. And it was very weird because I was like, hmm, I think, I think his name is Brandon. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 79 of the Commando Voice. Today, I get to interview uh, a mother for my business partner uh, and my wife. Please welcome Brittany Erickson. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I get to interview my wife. Uh, I finally get to get her on the podcast um, for a full interview instead of just a short uh, little thing that we did a while back. So anyways, I've been looking forward to this podcast for quite a while, and um, because it's my wife, um, and we uh, got into a long conversation um, this is going to be broken up into two pieces, uh, so two parts, part one and part two. So this is going to be part one, um, and that's basically going to take us through uh, the beginning part of Brittany's life and then all the way to when we got married. So you come back next week to finish that out. But um, I've been looking forward to this podcast for a while because uh, my wife has just been uh, my rock. She's amazing with our four kiddos. Um, she is so kind and compassionate and empathetic to other people and, uh, really allows me to do what I do, uh, within my business, within everything. Um, and she's also, um, very good, like for me to, like when we talk about things within the business and stuff, um, we're able to talk about, uh, you know, bounce ideas off each other. And, um, you know, she's very, uh, good at thinking through these things too. So sometimes I'll get excited about an idea and be like, we should do this. And she'll be like, well, we should like, what about this, this, and this? And I, then I, we don't do that idea because it was a dumb idea. Um, so she is, um, yeah, she's just really awesome. And so I'm super excited to be able to do that. Um, uh, before we jump into the episode real quick, I did want to just remind everyone, uh, if you have anything, comments, questions, guest suggestions, um, send it to voice at commandocommons.com. Um, I'd love to hear from you guys, uh, see how you like in the podcast. And um, yeah, but without further ado, here's my conversation with Brittany Erickson. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm here with my amazing wife, uh, business partner and mother of four. Welcome to the podcast, Brittany Erickson. Hello. Hi. All right. So before we get started, tell us a little bit about Brittany. Um. I'm your wife yeah. and the co-owner of Camino Island or Camino Commons Marketplace. <laughs> All right. Editing already. No, keep going. <laughs> um, I grew up in Cedral Woolley for the most part, born in Seattle and Bothell moved out to Cedral Woolley when I was six and a half and met you at the very young age of 18. You swept me off my feet by following me around and not <laughs> taking no for an answer. <laughs> and we got married when we were babies at 20 and yeah, it's been a whirlwind 
since then. I like reading um, and I like cooking and I love living in the Pacific Northwest, except in January. In January, I always question why we live here. Um, but the other 11 months out of the year, I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. And I benefit greatly from the love of cooking part. So really glad about that one. <laughs> All right. Um, so you said you grew up in Seattle, uh, or not grew up in Seattle, you grew up in Cedar Woolley, but you said you were um, first in Seattle. So what, do you remember much of, like, it's pretty young, but like, do you remember much from being in Seattle? Yeah, I mean, well, I was born in Seattle, and then until I was six and a half, we lived in Bothell, um, which is just north of there, north of Seattle. And I remember a lot about that house. That was the house that I lived in. Um, I come from a large family that is very spread apart. It, um, my, there's uh, a 20 plus year age difference between the youngest and oldest. So my parents had, I have a bunch of older siblings. Um, and then I was a bit of a like, oops. <laughs> um, and so my next oldest sister is 11 years older than me, but Bothell is where I remember my uh, my four older sisters or four older siblings at various points um, living with them, and they were all pretty much teenagers or in their early twenties um, when we were there. And then when we moved out to Sejuoli when I was six and a half, it was just my next oldest sister that moved out there with us, um, and she graduated and left soon afterwards. And then it was just me and my parents for about a year. Until another surprise came along when my mother was 45. She had my last <laughs> sister, um, who is, yeah, a little over, uh, yeah, eight and a half years younger than me. So um, that was a shock to me because my whole life, my whole eight and a half years, I had asked my parents for a younger sibling and they said, not possible. So the story is when they took me out and said, well, first they asked me, guess what? Like, guess what? we're having or some question along those lines. And I said, a pony? They said, <laughs> no, a sister and or a baby, a little baby sibling. And I said, how? Because <laughs> I didn't <laughs> think it was possible. Um, and then my little sister burst on my life and our lives. And um, yeah, we I grew up grew up on, we had a farm that was just under three acres. My dad was a contractor and my mom stayed at home. Um, but I can't say that she didn't work because she, we had animals and we had a very large garden and my mom grew or my parents raised all of the food we ate pretty much. Um, so yeah, it was, it was pretty great living. We lived five miles east of Cedrawoli. Um, and it was, a beautiful old farmhouse and beautiful land with an old orchard. And I just, the childhood memories are pretty heavenly. Um, traipsing around the forest, exploring the creek. We live near the Skagit River, but not in the flood zone. So, yeah, it was pretty great. Nice. Well, and um, so, I, I mean, we, ju we just passed 2020. This is our first, my first podcast of 2021. Um, first one recorded during, and um, you know I think nobody now questions what uh, stay-at-home moms do during the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But so when you moved from Seattle to Cedar Woolley, 
Um, I, like you said, I know you were really young, but what was that like? Was, was it something that you were really excited about? Were you really sad about leaving the city? Yeah, I mean, so in the city, I had um, my two very close friends that I just adored, um, Anne and Amy. And um, my both of their parents are like good friends with my family. And so they would still come up and visit. Uh, but yeah, it was definitely a, oh gosh, my friends are gone. And our church, we, you know, left churches and went to a much smaller church. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a big difference. Uh, the one thing that was great though, was when you were six and a half and you move five miles east of Cedar Woolley in 1995, um, most of my neighbors had never even been to Seattle or, Bo I mean, Bothell. I'm from Bothell, which just have to make that difference because if I say I'm from Bothell and then you keep saying I'm from Seattle, people in Seattle will be like, no, it's not the same. Or people <laughs> from Bothell. So anyways, but when you are six and a half, seven, eight, and they knew that you came from the big city and that you had been to Seattle and that you had, you know, friends in Seattle that you would visit, um, I was pretty hot stuff in the neighborhood. It was like, wow, you've seen the Space Needle. And I had been up in the Space Needle. I had been to Pike Place Market. And we also, um, my parents, before I was born and after I was born for a little while, but um, they had a lot of international exchange students that lived with them. And so I had met people from other cultures and my mom knew how to cook from all different places. And I had been to all different you know, yeah, just had had a variety of cuisines. So, um, I was, I was a pretty like a klutzy tomboyish kid. And so I wasn't very skilled at sports or anything, but I had been to Seattle. So that was bragging rights forever. Nice. Yes. Cool. So then once you moved out there, what was it like for you? Because that's just so drastically different. What was that like for you to move <laughs> to like a farm and be way out there and yeah. You calling me a redneck? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I was young enough that it wasn't, I mean, we got chickens and, um, we had cats and yeah, I don't know. We just had like animals and I wasn't, I think if I had been a little older, I probably would have been like, Oh, scary. But I think I pretty much adapted to it pretty quickly. There was one scary thing is when, um, we moved into the farmhouse, it had original windows in it and it had been built. Um, I think the first record of it is like 1902. So it's old and it was on the original, original studs so it wasn't a foundation it was on these posts and when it got windy it would sway and then it had the original windows which were like wooden frames single pane glass and you could feel the wind come through them and they would rattle and then we had a corkscrew willow tree and it would um outside my window and it would throw shadows on the wall and so that was very spooky and then we had attics off of every room we had these attics in the eaves of the house and um I was very into Chronicles of Narnia and in The Magician's Nephew, there's a story about Jill and, um, no, not Jill. Oh, I forget the characters, but they were in the eaves of the attic. And so I would play all sorts of games and then occasionally creep myself out. <laughs> um, and, and then the other thing is there was like birds would get into the side of our 
like in our insulation or there wasn't even insulation, but they would get in there or rats or something. And so you'd hear them like skittering in the walls. And so that's the only thing I remember. Um, oh, and the first time I heard cows because so, I mean, cows go moo. We all know that, but cows can also make terrifying sounds and we were <laughs> surrounded by dairy farms. So yeah, no, there was a couple things that I was just like, what is this? Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I got in with the group of like neighborhood kids and, um, I, if I brought anything up like that, they'd just laugh me out. So I kept my mouth closed and learned it was pretty normal, but yeah, no, I mean, I really loved we had we were surrounded by farms and so you would get to go see all sorts of animals being born um I remember seeing a calf being born within like the first year and then I remember watching a pig give birth to piglets and they just kind of shoot them out like it was I just remember watching it and being like what is happening um so yeah I got all got to see all sorts of stuff like that um yeah I mean I yes the lake culture is different like usually to um Seattle, I'm sure, but, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's not, it was, yes, people make fun of Sejuoli, but it really, there's just a lot of lovely people. And even though all of us neighbors were spread out, we all had a huge, like you come together if anything happens and you all know each other even more so than in the city, I think, cause you have to know each other to get through anything. Right. Um, so yeah, and there was like there was um one of the farmers nearby. His name was actually like we called him Farmer. That was his name. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah. No, I really yeah. Really really loved that experience growing up on the farm. Nice. So then um the uh were you going to school like um were you being homeschooled? Did you go uh, to No, CGW? yeah, I was so I was homeschooled all the way through. Um and yeah, we just my mom schooled us at home. We, my mom's quite, so my mom, she has homeschooled for years and years. Um, my other siblings went to school and did homeschooling, but my mom homeschooled in the seventies, like in some places when it probably was still illegal. And my mom is a very avid reader and very intelligent woman. And so we, I mean, we did some cur curriculums, like we did all the things, but, um, she was very much into what they would nowadays called like child led learning. Um, but not unschooling, um, very similar to like the Charlotte Mason method. If any homeschoolers are listening out there, uh, we read a lot and my mom loves to learn and she definitely passed that on to us. Um, I remember as a homeschooler growing up, sometimes it was like, Oh, I, feel like I'm missing things or, um, you know, am I, am I, am I sure I'm checking all the boxes, but I now see it just that she definitely instilled in all of her children, just the love of learning and the ability to know that we can learn anything that we don't know, we can go out and learn it. And, um, yeah, that's where I get my love of reading. And then my dad was a contractor and we would go on the job with him and get to see how houses were built. So geometry. Um, I remember learning geometry. I was like, oh, it totally makes sense. It's building houses. And then algebra is the subject that I just failed miserably at because um, it just <laughs> did not make sense. Geometry, you can do stuff with it. Um, algebra, I don't, I still to this day, I'm like, what? I don't, 
Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and then I married you. Who's <laughs> a mechanical engineer, if anybody doesn't know. He got his bachelor's in mechanical engineering. So he understands algebra. <laughs> so I, I will send all the kids to him. And maybe I'll learn algebra from you someday. Someday. Very cool. So then, um, so you were homeschooled through, all the way through high school. Um, what did you do after high school then? Yeah, the last two years of high school, I did do Running Start at Skagit Valley College, and I love that. Um, they, you know, the advisors really want you to get a degree or like an AA work towards that, and I sort of did. I did a lot of music classes. I took some <clears throat> Spanish um, I took some speech and I did computers. I kind of just, I, I, at that point, like they wanted me to go towards a certain goal of getting an AA, but I kind of wanted to fill in the cracks of things that maybe were harder to be taught at home. Um, and it was honestly, also it was a time in my life that I had growing up out in the country. Um, you are isolated as a child. I wasn't so much, but, um, my teen years, especially prior, like 14, 15, I was pretty isolated. <laughs> um, and so it was like a party going to running start. I just, there were friends and I got very into swing dancing. And, um, I had an older sister in Seattle at the time who had an apartment and, um, she, or I guess that, that was more when I was like 18, trying to think when she got the apartment, but she, um, she would take us, I could, we could go swing dancing with her and, um, yeah, no, it was, it was really fun and we had a really fun group of people. Um, and it's interesting. So I went to running start and Eli and Wes were there who were two of your friends that you grew up with. So I actually became friends with a lot of Brandon's friends before I met Brandon. Well, not before I met you because I met you when I was 12, but, um, yeah, it was funny because I, after I started dating, after we started dating, um, you would, we would go places. You'd be like, oh, do you know so-and-so or so-and-so? And I did. Like, we kind of were like, yeah. wait, how had we not met earlier? Because we had a lot of the same, not like friends, but like acquaintances. We were in yeah. very similar circles, yeah. being both homeschooled and Christians and, um, yeah. Yeah. So. Very cool. And you were, you might have mentioned this, but when you were at um, the uh, running start, then did you have any sort of focus that you were kind of, as far as class and stuff like that, or just kind of? No, I mean, uh, I had taken flute since I was um, 10 years old, and um, I had considered I really liked music and learning about it, um, but I started having issues with like, carpal tunnel. Um, and like now we know I also probably have rheumatoid arthritis. Um, but I had something and it was like, I felt basically the more I practiced, the slower my fingers seemed to move. And, um, so I had considered going to college, uh, getting a music degree. Um, but that didn't seem like the smartest thing to do just cause I wasn't sure how to monetize it I guess afterwards yeah and um and then also I would have to learn an entirely new instrument if the flute wasn't working out and I didn't want to do that um I there was a brief stint where I wanted to become a conductor <laughs> um but uh yeah no so no not really I mean I had my best friend and I uh at the time uh, oh yeah when I went to running start I 
ended up, the first class was Spanish and I ended up going in the room and there was only one seat in left and it was next to Emily Harmon Wadalow, who is now our works for us. And, um, but her and I have just been ever since that day that we sat down next to each other, we were just very tight and, um, we both adore musical theater mm-hmm. and love reading books. And so we just completely clicked and, um, yeah, so there was, she, she went on to get her theater um, degree. Um, and I definitely was like, Ooh, that would be fun. But I've always been somebody. So when I was 15, I started working at Skagit River Ranch, um, which was right down the road from where I grew up and it had, where uh, they raised pasture raised organic pork, beef, chicken, uh, turkeys. And they had like been great family friends, went to church together, loved working there, very hard to work there, but, um, taught me really great work ethic. And I got to do farmer's markets down in Seattle, um, which is probably still to this day, one of the best. I love working any sort of farmer's market for any company, but, um, loved working for them. And, um, so yeah, there was a point where I was like, oh, maybe I'll be a butcher. <laughs> that <does> seems <laughs> which I know it grosses some people out. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, th- during those years in running start, I also worked for a chiropractor in Cedro Woolley. I worked <laughs> very briefly at Joy's Bakery and Cafe in Cedro Woolley. And if they ever hear this, I'm so sorry. I was the worst waitress ever. <laughs> I, I mean, it was, it was, you, yeah, it was comical. Um, I just remember people ordering a sandwich and being like, great, writing it down and going to turn it into the cook. And they're like, what type of bread? And I'd go back to the table. So what type of bread on the sandwich? You know, wheat and going back. Okay, wheat. What type of cheese? And I'd be like, oh, I'd go back and I'd ask them. <laughs> and then I'd get to cook and he'd be like, what do they want? Fries? Do they want salad? Do What kind of meat do they want? I mean, I, I remember going back to this one table like five times. The people were so annoyed. And um, that was like a side job. I also worked at Thompson's Greenhouse in Cedro Woolley. Uh, loved working there in a greenhouse. is probably the most soothing job you can ever have, just like watering plants and deadheading them and, and learning a lot of different plant names. Um, and it's very peaceful. And, and the customers, anybody who comes to shop at a greenhouse and nursery, I would say is just a lovely person. <laughs> so I had, yeah, um, that was a fun job. I, 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 at one point I had like three jobs at one point. So okay. I, you know, it kind of overlap. Um, and I'm trying to think of, I forget any, any jobs. I did some farmer's markets for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, and I think <clears throat> I want to touch back on something that you mentioned. Um, like you said with the Skagit Farm, or Skagit Farms Play, Skagit uh, Ranch, you were, you know, you had to, like it was a really difficult job and something that you had to, um, you were really pushed to like work hard and stay on top of things. So like you, you learned a work ethic um, at a young age and then you went on to the chiropractor and that, you know, you're like, yes, I know how to do this. I can work hard and I can, and then you get to this other type of job that it didn't matter how hard you worked or focused or what, like it just wasn't fitting. And I think that is something, um, you know, with the, with the marketplace, stuff like that. Like we run into that where like there's people that are just, they're great workers, they're hard workers, but it just doesn't work. And I think it's, it's not against them or us. It's just some people, there's certain types of jobs that people do better in. Yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't fit. And 
yeah, as a teenager, I was very hard on myself, um, which now I was just like, oh man, um, nobody's, not everybody's cut out to be a waitress. And I will say, I'm glad I did that job because I have never looked down on waitresses. I am completely in awe of waitresses in general, <laughs> especially like sometimes you go to a restaurant and they don't even write it down. And I'm like, I don't even like my sister, my older sister, well, I think and my older brother and yeah, all my older siblings have been waitresses or waiters and I don't know how they do it. It's yeah, it's, yeah, I could probably do it better now having since stayed at home with four children <laughs> who ask you a million questions a day. And so learn to stay a little bit more focused, but at 17, I was terrible. And yeah, if you ever went to Joy's Bakery and Cafe in like 2000, I don't know, five or something. I'm so sorry if you ever got me. <laughs> um, but yeah. And, and yeah, they were lovely and people should go there. They have the best donuts. They have delicious, they have delicious food. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and uh, I mean, yeah, one thing I hadn't mentioned too is I've always been like a bit of an entrepreneurial type. Um, when I was 12 and 13, uh, my friend Kelia and I, um, she was down the road for me. Um, she and I did this, like, I don't know what you want to say. Like we made like salves and balms. We did like deodorant. We made all this stuff out of herbs from the garden and natural ingredients. And we would go sell it at the Cedroli farmer's market. And that's, uh, oh, we made lavender lemonade and would sell it. And that was where my love for farmer's markets first came into play. Just as far as like, it's just lovely. The people you meet there and the conversations you have, um, and it was also a great opportunity for me at like 13 to feel like a grown up and, and you, and you learn how to make change for money. And yeah, yeah, that was a blast. And our mothers, God bless them. Um, Anita and my mom, they definitely put up with us making all sorts of concoctions in their kitchens, probably ruining some of their pans and uh, <laughs> taking us to buy out, buy containers. And yeah, that was a great experience. Nice. That was when I was, yeah, 13. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of did the same thing as far as uh, making things. I decided that I was going to make a little market in our house because I wanted to make some money. So I got a I bunch of... I have not heard this. <laughs> <laughs> I got a bunch of construction paper and I cut it up and I turned it into art, my version of art at the time, <laughs> and taped it together. And um, I laid it all out on our fireplace at our house. And on one end... You had the 10 cents art, but on the other end, you had the $100 art. And I laid it all out, and I went and got my mom and dad said, I made, did a bunch of art and stuff, and I'm selling it to you guys. <laughs> 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 and I was very disappointed. I think the most they, mm. they bought were some of the 25 cent piece, which, looking back, they were very generous to That's give me the generous. 25 yeah. cent piece. I feel like your father may not have bought some. I feel like your mother probably was like, oh, oh, this is so lovely. Like no, my dad like, bought some. Your dad bought some? Yeah. Okay. I mean, not, Yeah. you know, I, yeah. You, I think I made like a dollar fifty out of that whole thing. Watch out, Jed Dorsey. He's coming for you. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently I'm married to an artist. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I'll be touring this year. <laughs> um, That's oh. where our kids get it from. Yes. Our kids go right. for, through reams of paper. They're ridiculous. Yes. And tape. <laughs> yes. 
Um, okay, so then after you were um, you were working these other jobs, what where'd you go from there? What was kind of your next step? Well, when I was uh, yeah seventeen, I had I was going I wasn't quite sure what order it was going to go in, but I was going to go to a discipleship training program when I was eighteen. And then I was going to go to Darjeeling, India, um, where my parents had friends um, that ran a, a school for its, um, oh my goodness, I'm sorry guys, it's late at night and I can't quite remember, um, to teach like skill training, um, to, they just taught them how, and it was a pretty like self-sufficient <clears throat> school that had a farm and all that. And I wanted to go out there, um, at least for a few years and kind of find out, like, I didn't want to jump right into college. I kind of wanted to think about more seriously what I wanted to do. And then I planned on, you know, coming back and then getting more training and, or going to college for whatever I needed. And then moving back to India or wherever, um, I was a homeschooled girl, Christian, and I grew up and a lot of my friends wanted to get married young. And, um, I, I mean, obviously I had crushes on lots of boys, but like at 17, I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm not going to just get married young and have kids. Like, I, I don't even know if I will get married. Um, there's a lot of world out there and I'm just going to go see it all. <laughs> and, um, and then I had, um, a bit of a traumatic event happened right before I turned 18 and kind of shook me up even a little bit more. And so I was even more so just like, yeah, nope, I, I want to just get out and see the world, um, but do something to help people. And I, I've always been very, I did an herbalist course when I was a teenager. And so I've always been very interested in herbs and plants. And I wanted to get to know more about herbs and plants in other countries. And, um, and I was about to turn 18 and I got invited to a friend's graduation party. Um, and well, we were all there and there was a whole bunch of us. And I looked down the driveway and I go, Oh, there's my friend Wes. He's coming down the driveway. And then there were, he had a girl with him, and then to the right of her, there was this guy. And it was very weird because I was like, hmm, I think, I think his name is Brandon, but like, I don't, how do I know him? And then what was even weirder is my friends and I are sitting, we're talking the rocks, and I hear this guy asking people behind me, is that girl's name Brittany, or who is, what's her name? Or he was asking about me, and I was like, well, that's weird. Um, and I don't know if we talked or if it was later on, there was swing dancing and you came up and you were like, cause spoiler alert, the guy was Brandon. Um, so stay, you know, stay tuned to find out what happened with that relationship. Um, but he, <laughs> this guy comes up and asks me to dance or do you know how to dance? And I said, yes. Or the particular dance, I don't think I did know how to, the cha-cha. So you taught me and then we were dancing um and I thought he was pretty cute um but I wasn't, I wasn't like super interested in boys I just was gonna dance with him and um and then we just we kind of talked on and off and later in the evening we were all sitting around a bonfire and 
And Brandon turns to me and he has a little notebook that he pulls out of his pocket, um, which if any of you knew Brandon when he was younger, he, he had a lot of things in his pockets. He carried, he had everything in his pockets at all times. Um, so he pulls a, like a planner out of his pocket and a pen and says, Hey, you know, wow, you like dancing. I like dancing. A bunch of us, just like friends, a group of friends, we go dancing on Thursdays at the Siege Woolly Grange sometimes. And I was like, oh, cool. And he's like, can I, you know, maybe put down your like name and number and email just, just for inviting you to dancing. And I had a friend across the fire, Ravi, who just kind of yells out across the fire rather loudly. Oh, is this, is, are you inviting everyone? <laughs> and Brandon, not wanting to admit he might like me, said, oh yeah, of course, pass it around. So Brandon passed around his planner and pen around the fire. And I don't know how many, I mean, there was over 10 people around that fire, got all these names and emails. Yep. And um, I thought it was funny. Uh, I mean, we all thought it was kind of funny. And uh, my friend Emily was there. She got the name and her name and email and um and the next day I mean before I'd even woken up the next day I'd like check my email there's there's an email from him and I think the first one was kind of like oh me and my friends are gonna go play pool in Stanwood want to join us and I was like no I know you know and I don't know why I was like who is this and I'm in Cedro Woolley and that's Stanwood like so here's the thing please don't knock on Cedro Woolley too much um we deserve it a lot. I mean, they deserve it a lot. But uh, it is a long drive to Stanwood or to Camino Island. And then the next day, he sends me another email. There was one day where you sent me two emails. You invited me to your youth group. You invited me to go play games. You invited me to go dancing. And I forgot what had come up, but all of a sudden my parents were like, no, we don't want you dancing at the Grange until you're 18. And I was turning 18 in like two weeks. So, But I didn't want to admit that. Um and so anyways, he sends me in the space of one week, sends me six emails and I see my friend Emily and I'm like, oh my gosh, what is up with this guy? He's sending us so many emails. And she was like, well, what do you mean? So many emails. She's like, I just got the one to dancing. Busted. <laughs> Busted. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't need to tell the entire story. Most people have heard it, but, um, but the reason why I knew his name and why he knew my name was when we were 12, we were at Warm Beach Camp, and he had had a crush on me then. Um, and then when we were 15, we had, like, bumped into each other again. Still had a crush. Still had a crush at that point. Um, and actually, when we were 15, it was really fun. Well, at the camp, it was funny because he wouldn't talk to me. And uh, But he had a disposable camera, and he tried to get all of his friends to take pictures of me, me <laughs> and my friends because we were 12. And they would form a like a shield around me and wouldn't let him get pictures. Um, the last day of camp, this is funny. If anybody knows Carolyn Lowe, who has since gone, um, passed away, but she was coming to pick Brandon and his friends up and she comes up to me and she says, can I get a picture of you? And I said, no. And she took a picture anyways. And Brandon still has that picture. Not creepy at all. Um, <laughs> and then we were, when we were 15, I do remember we went on this field trip together and I remember randomly like turning around and he'd be like behind me or near me, but couldn't, I'd be like, hi. And he would be trying so hard to talk and could not, which just 
be terrified of talking to girls. Um, They're very scary. Very scary. I yeah. had traumatic experiences too with girls. Yeah. Yeah. So you, um, he, yeah, he pursued me well into September. That was when we met beginning of mm-hmm. June and end of September, he finally got up the nerve to ask me out. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. But so, but why we were dating, um, where, what happened, like, so we started dating in oh, yeah. September. So yeah. just because I was dating you, I was not about, like, I was very spiritual. I was not about to give up on my discipleship training program um, because God is greater than a boyfriend. So I went to the training program in January of that year after we started dating in September. And we had, like, Six, seven months that we were apart long distance. I went down to Bend, Oregon and did the training program. And, um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that was, that was rough. Long distance relationships are very, very rough. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were so sweet and naive. We had started dating and we had a five year plan because Brandon had to fill it, finish college, which was going to take five years at that point. Yep. So I was going to do the training program and then I was still going to go to India and, all that, but somewhere in the training program, we decided, yeah, we want to, we like, we want to get married. Um, but we were 18. <laughs> um, so, and Brandon's dad had said, no, you need to finish college. Um, Brandon was going to Everett Community College at the point at that time, and it was going to take three years to get your yep. undergrad or your associate's degree. Yeah. Um, yeah, the transfer degree. Transfer degree for mechanical engineering, um, which mechanical engineering is a degree that a lot of times does take five years. We yeah. do some people that take longer. Yeah. Um, it's it's a hard degree. Um, and so I just said, hey, well, what if you ask them when you're done with Everett? And so Brandon's parents were like, yeah, once you're done with Everett, thinking it was three years off. And then I said, then we discussed, how about you talk to your advisor and see if you can finish it in two years so that you're done in 2009. Mm-hmm. and um, he said okay and so he moved stuff around and so summer of 2008 was like yeah we're gonna I'm gonna propose to her um, so I got back summer of 2008 we'd started dating September 2007 and um, then you proposed end of October 2008 and we got yep. married June 27th 2009 um, right in the if and uh, if you've been to Kamena Commons Marketplace, when you go out the back, there's the green area there um, in Kamena Commons. And that is where Brandon and I got married with like 300 plus guests in 2009. Yeah. Yep. So. Very different uh, little area because there was some of the things that are there now weren't. And then um, there were totally yeah, there different were trees. restaurants. And the crab things. wasn't there. Yeah. So looked a little different but uh yeah yeah none of none of the outside restaurant places were there so we had a lot bigger of a courtyard and we put up tents and um uh we had a there was a restaurant there that my dad had started which he had sold later on but um that was called islanders that they um was islanders still there yeah yep because that's where we did our uh rehearsal dinner at okay um, yeah, and we did dancing uh, over. Yep. If anybody has seen the large, like checkered chessboard, basically in the courtyard, which with no chess pieces, yeah, with no chess pieces, that's where we danced. Um, and the marketplace was Brindles, 
at the time. Yeah. Um, and Brandon would always talk about brindles. He just thought it was like the cutest place. And like, I don't know. He liked like little shops. And when we went on our honeymoon, we went to the Oregon coast and Cannon Beach. And um, definitely, I hadn't grown up like going to like, tour- like when we did vacations, it was like camping. We didn't really like go into touristy towns that much. Mm-hmm. And so I got this whole other experience. Brandon would take me into <laughs> all these like fun little shops that he remembers going to as a kid. And, there's definitely you can see why we own the marketplace because there's definitely just this love of like small little shops that are just like you know eclectic got a lot of things in them um not just like a one not just a gift shop or just espresso stand Mm -hmm. like has all the things yeah well big thank you to Brittany for joining me on the podcast today and thank you for listening remember to come back next week for part two of my interview with my wife Brittany Erickson.